Welcome to the City View Church podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. There's three different kinds of coaches out there. I'm going to display one at a time, and I want you to think about which one has the most authority and, and which one gets the most attention, coach number one. Coach number two. Okay, yeah, there, there we go. Yes, just like we practice, keep going. Good job, good job. Come back, come back. All right, get that rebound. Okay, box, box, okay. Coach number three. Okay, here we go, guys. Go all the way down now. Here we go. No, no. Number three, get over there. Box out. Set that screen. Okay, back door. No, no, guys, like we practice. Get back over here. Get, Get going, get going. Three coaches, turn to someone next to you say, which one do you think has most authority? Coach number one, coach number two, coach number three. Go ahead. A very disgusting group this morning. And turn to a neighbor and say, which coach you think gets the most attention? Coach number one, coach number two, or coach number three? Yeah, a few weeks ago I was uh, not coaching. And uh, which is probably good for my blood pressure. And I uh, noticed the coach on the other side of the field um, <laughs> that was coaching against the, the team that my daughter was on. It was just, it, it was awesome. It was fascinating because this whole time the coach did not stop talking at a high level. And just to make sure each of his fifth and sixth grade girl team did not, you know, miss a single word, coach had a, 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 a you know, a little megaphone to help his each and every word travel the full distance with the full impact and the full volume of his, um, all of his coach wisdom and knowledge. It was awesome. Um, when it comes to coaching and when it comes to life, is volume what determines authority? A high volume or a lack thereof? It is, in, in life, is, is volume either full volume or, or lack thereof, it, it, is it what determines what gets attention? Because the truth is, our lives are a lot like, at least sometimes mine is, I, I feel like my life can be like a lot of little kids trying to play soccer or basketball on the court or on the field and not really sure what's going on, and, and it feels like it changes every five seconds. Sometimes I have the ball, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I know where to go, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'm, out, I'm in position, sometimes I'm out of position. And, and most of the time, it's just tough, chaotic, and at times very noisy. And when life gets like that, what, what do we do? What do we listen to? Do we, do we listen to the, 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 the megaphone or do, do we listen to Mr. Arms Cross? Do we, what, where do we go to? Who has authority? Who has the truth? Today we're going to discuss that. And, and, and I hope that when we're done today that we can, we can, can continue our day and our week and our life with our ears tuned into the right authority with our ears and our lives tuned into the truth, the truth, not just a truth. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for today. Thank you for giving us this time that we have together. Life, 
It can be hard and it can be chaotic, but Lord, life is good. It is good to be alive. It is good to know you. It is good to be known by you. It is good to sing your praises. It is, it is good to gather together with people that, that want to know you, that are, that are trying one day at a time, taking steps toward you in this, in this adventure of life. So God, I thank you for meeting us here today. Lord, I pray that you would be with um, all churches in the valley. God, I, I pray that you would be just so present as we gather here at City View, and may you speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen, amen. Uh, well, well, welcome. Uh, my name is Mark, and I, I get to be with you guys today as Pastor Jeremiah is on one of his dude trips with son number two, Joel. Um, Judah got to have his, his fun time. Now it's Joel's turn. It's a really cool tradition that Jeremiah does with his boys is um, when they hit around age 14, um, they, they go on a trip together. So um, Jeremiah and Joel are, are spending some really great times, making some great memories um, in California. So be sure to ask him about that and Joel as well. Um, but it is, it is great to be here with you. Uh, we are in the middle of a series walking through the book of 2 Corinthians. So here is our big idea, and we're going to jump right to it. So if you, you, uh, if you got your, your, your book Bible, if you got your app Bible, whatever Bible you got, go ahead and get to 2 Corinthians. We are going through chapter 10 today, and the big idea is this. People may hold the mic, but God holds the truth. People may hold the mic, but God holds the truth. Why does this matter? It matters because noise will lead you to dead ends, but truth will set you free. Noise will lead you to dead ends, but truth will set you free. So speaking of the truth, let's go verse 1 and 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to back up, do a little bit of intro, but I, I just want to dig right in. I'm, I'm reading from the New Living Translation Here's what God's word says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Now I, Paul, appeal to you with the gentleness and kindness of Christ, though I realize you think I'm timid in person and bold only when I write from afar away. Well, I'm begging you now so that when I come, I won't have to be bold with those who think we act from human motives. First couple verses. Let, let's, let's talk about what... What are, we, what are we dealing with? We're dealing with a church in Corinth, in modern-day Greece. It is a rough place. Um, you think uh, Vegas, Las Vegas might be a certain way. Just multiply that by 100, and you might have the city, the culture, the society, the values, the desires, the direction, the lifestyle of a place named Corinth. This is 2,000 years ago, and it's something we know about this group of Christians in Corinth is they got more letters than anybody else. And we have, we have two of them um, that, that we're able to read. And, and you'll notice that Paul, Paul who wrote these letters, is he, he started a church and he put some people in charge and then he'd go start another church. Put some people in charge, go start another church. Put some people in charge, go start another church. And as he's traveling or as he's sitting in shackles um, in prison because he's starting churches and going against um, the the, the Caesar or the Roman Empire at the time, drawing too much attention to himself, he'd be writing letters to these churches. Hey, here's what I need you to remember. Here's what I need you to do. Here's what I hear what's going on. That's not right. And he's correcting, he's teaching, he's rebuking. And these letters of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, are, they're full of heart. They're full of passion. They're full of just raw 
frustration from Paul. I mean, it's just full of everything that he has because the church in Corinth is going through so much, so many ups and downs, and he's literally defending his own integrity as, as, as well as just defending the validity of his ministry. He's dealing with false teaching, false teachers, issues of authority, and jurisdiction. And, and here we have right in the middle, right in the middle here, of, of Paul really getting at some of these issues. You see, the paradox of truth is it isn't always the loudest voice. And isn't that so much the paradox of the cross? Where it just doesn't seem to make sense, and yet nothing could be truer, nothing could be more powerful. What we're going to do is we're going to walk through this chapter. There's there's so much. There's so much here. Um, and, and we could we could spend we could spend at least a couple weeks, you know, in each of these sections of this chapter. But but here we are. So we're going to walk through this chapter. We're going to push pause a few times. We're going to we're going to bring out some of these topics. And, and I'm going to do my best to touch a little bit on what was going on 2,000 years ago in Corinth. But I, but I'm also going to try to bring it to us in Phoenix, Arizona, as a church, City View in 2023, but also bring it to us as individuals. So we're, we're, looking for, we're looking for historical context, but we're looking at application for us as a church, but also application for us as individuals. And with that said, let's go to verses three and four. Paul continues. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. Sound familiar? Well, it should, because he wrote another letter to a church in Ephesus where he describes the armor of God. He was talking about spiritual warfare against the you know, spiritual uh, forces and, and the evil realms. Um, this, is, this is a little bit similar, but also a little bit different. Paul is dealing with multiple misunderstandings. He, he's dealing with false teachings. And, and this, isn't so, this isn't coming from outside of the church. This is coming from within the church. This, this, is, this is something that it's, it might look like truth. It might sound like truth. But under the surface, it's anything but the real truth. And so what Paul is saying is, hey, well, I'm, not, I'm not dealing with these, these weapons of what I'm going to call human desire. In some, some Bibles, it might call it carnal or fleshly, but I think that could be hard for us to understand now. So here, here I'm just going to label them weapons of human desire, and I think this is going to make sense in, in just a moment. But, but what Paul is saying is it, it, he's addressing these false teachers, these false teachings that people within the church are, are raising up, because Paul's gone. And out of sight, out of mind. And as these other people pop up in the church and say, well, I think it says this. Well, I think Paul meant this. Well, I think Paul's an idiot. And what he really should have said is this. And Paul is distant. He is away. And now he is addressing those, those false ideas and those false teachers. And he's saying, you know, I don't, I don't fight with the weapons that they fight with. I fight with something different. I fight with what, what he calls spiritual weapons. And I want to draw from the armor of God to mention these weapons and then juxtapose them, put them up against these weapons of human desire for us to look at, because I think these are really important for us to capture. So here we go. we got spiritual weapons, and then we've got weapons of human desire. So to go along with the armor of God that he talks about in Ephesians 6, you want to look at that later on, you can. I, I'm seeing these spiritual weapons as truth, 
righteousness, the gospel, faith, salvation, and the Holy Spirit. So this is what Paul is saying. This is what I fight with. This is what I, in other words, point people to truth with. This is what I lead people with. This is how I share the gospel. This is how I seek to influence others. But there was this other group, and this wasn't unique to Corinth. This was happening all around in the the known world at the time, in this new church. It was just getting started, so it was sensitive. It was fragile. It was easy to get swayed one way or another. And, and you had these people that were leading people, influencing people, guiding people to Jesus with weapons of human desire. And, and, and they are manipulation, image of success, smooth words, perception of power, good deeds, natural abilities, human schemes and programs. Sound familiar? They should, because these things are very much alive within Christian society today, within Christian churches today, these things very easily raise up. It, it's, it's not blatant sin every time. It's not this evil force, you know, that, that's, that's coming, but it is, it is something that is often rooted in pride. Yes, it, it is something that's rooted in, look at me. It's, it's, it's rooted in a, in, in, in a human desire to point people somewhere besides Jesus, but on the surface, it kind of can look okay. And let me tell you, it has a big one of these. It has got a megaphone that it gets so much attention. It's so easy to draw people to these things. Why? Because they're often tangible. They're often alluring. They're often attractive. And as we, as we look over at the you know, spiritual weapons, it's like, oh yeah, the truth, oh the gospel, and oh yeah, we the righteousness. But but look at this stuff. Look at what this guy is talking about. Look at what this guy's promising. Look, look at how look at how great this guy's resume looks. And and this is what this is what Paul's up against. He's he, he's having this like LinkedIn resume competition with these false teachers that are boasting of 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 so much fruit and, and so much success and so much image and so many followers and, and Paul's saying, "Well, I'm not, I'm not about that. I'm not I'm not trying to point people to me. I'm trying to point people to to Jesus." And in Philippians, Paul writes about us being citizens of heaven. I find that so helpful. I find that phrase so helpful because if, if we're citizens of heaven, then, then you could just kind of let your imagination go with that. 12 months from now, we're, we're going to be in the aftermath of a, another presidential election. If we are citizens of heaven, then what will that look like for the next 12 months as we, as we gear up for that? When, 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 we're, when we're in a, 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 a group of, a diverse group of people, maybe people we struggle to love, we struggle to connect with, we, if we're citizens of heaven, what does that mean? I, I, just, think, I just think that idea, that truth is, is, is so amazing, but here, here's something Here's something that I think is, is good for us to grasp. As citizens of heaven, we, we are called to, we're called to use these weapons or these vehicles of spiritual, the spiritual world. Now, if, 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 we're, using the, if we're using the human uh, desire weapons, it, it's just not going to work. So, for example, uh, when, when I used to live in Thailand, I, I, could, I could get out, I could get out this, I could get out 
20-bot bill. And let me tell you, this 20-bot bill would get me some amazing things. It would get me an iced coffee. It could get me two bowls of lime-flavored noodles down the street from where I lived. It, it, would, it would get me, what else? Oh, it would get me about five skewers of chicken satay from the, the night market. It, it would get me oftentimes a half a kilo of whatever fruit was in season at the time. Now, if I bring that 20-bot bill to the States and, and, and I go to QT and I say, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm going to, you know, give me a 64-ounce drink and I give them that, they're just going to laugh at me and throw it back in my face because that currency is useless here. It doesn't matter what it could get me in Thailand if I live here. And oftentimes, when we're trying to use the wrong currency in the wrong place. So what, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to connect this idea that when we try to lead people to Jesus, or we're trying to spread the gospel, or we're trying to bring people to truth, but we're using manipulation, or we're using image of success, or we're using our smooth words, and our good deeds, and our natural abilities, and our resume, and our human-made schemes, and it's not working. We're just hitting our head against the ceiling. We're like, how come nobody will go to church with me? I've been so smooth with my words. How come, how come nobody's coming to an outreach that we're doing? How come nobody... And all the while, we're using a useless currency because we're trying to use the currency of these human desire weapons, but we're trying to guide them closer to Jesus. And it, it's an issue of connection. It doesn't work. It's, it's a useless currency for something that we're trying to do. What if, what if we put down these weapons and then we picked up more of what Jesus calls us to do. Because isn't that what Jesus used to lead us to him? He didn't use smooth words. He didn't use manipulation. He didn't use good deeds. He used truth. People hold this mic, but only God holds the truth. Let's continue verses 5 and 6. We, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. And after you become fully obedient, we will punish everyone who remains disobedient. So, whoa, what, what's going on? So we're, we're, talking about, we're talking about using spiritual weapons to combat false teaching. We're, we're talking about using spiritual weapons to point people to the truth, these vehicles of, of leading people closer to Jesus and, and bringing them to the gospel. And, and, and now Paul's, he's saying, we're going we're gonna to remove every single obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. And there is something that we are really good at doing. When we get together and try to bring people to Jesus, we're really good at putting in obstacles. We're really good at inserting um, what, whatever it is. We're good at inserting hoops. Well, you got to read this book. Well, you got to go to this class. Well, you got to attend five times. Well, you got to give this much money. We got This is called religion. This is our way of reaching up to God. People are great at making religions. That's why religions are everywhere. And religions are alive and well. Because as long as we have people, we have people creating steps on a ladder to get to God, which is, in essence, obstacles that are in the way of people coming to know who Jesus is. And so he's saying, we're going to destroy all these proud obstacles that keep people from God. We're going we're gonna to take these rebellious thoughts and we're going to teach them to obey Jesus. And in other words, he's, talking, he's, not talking about, he's not talking about 
demonic, Satan-worshiping ideas and practice from outside of the church. He's not talking about the pagans that are worshiping the gods of the Roman Empire. He's talking about people within the church that are putting in obstacles, keeping people from knowing God. And he said, you know, we're, once, we, once we teach you to be obedient, we're going to start disciplining and punishing these false ideas and these, these false teachings because it's keeping people from Jesus. And this was Paul's number one passion was getting people to the Lord. So I want to I want to talk about just some some maybe nice ideas, some things maybe we've heard or we've learned or we've absorbed over the years that look good on the surface but underneath the surface there's nothing biblical about them. So we have these we have these is that true list we have that up on the, the screen? I think we had to skip it. Yes, perfect. And, and these are just a list of things that as, as, I've, as, I've, as I've lived my life and as I surf the internet, as I, as I see Christian books, you know, on display at the bookstore, here's some things that I see, here's some things that I hear. It's God's will for you to be happy, healthy, and wealthy. Jesus was a nice guy, and he wants us to be nice. People are good. Trends over truth, and truth is rude. Love means letting people do what they want. Follow your heart. Jesus is a way. Emotionalism, meology. And I just, I just want to unpack a couple. I mean, even on, 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 the, on the radio, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a segment every day where the, where the DJ talks about um, being nice. And, and, and he says at the end, the tagline is, the world is full of nice people, and if you can't find one, be one. And this is one of our Christian radio stations. And it's this, this, it promotes this idea that Jesus was a nice guy and he asked us to be nice. The problem is the word nice never found its way in the Bible. Um, and it, it, this idea of being nice, it oftentimes becomes this, uh, this teaching that loving people means letting them do whatever they want. So if you're not letting me do what I want, you don't love me, and you're not being nice. And the truth is, Jesus wasn't nice. There was a reason why um, enough people wanted to kill him, and they did so on the cross. Uh, fewer and fewer Christians, in fact, believe that Jesus is the way. There was a poll taken um, of, of multiple generations, and 60% of Americans said that they don't believe that Jesus is the way. They believe that he is a way. The interesting fact is that 100% of the people polled were Christians. The, the Bible doesn't have a microphone so much anymore in this country, but it doesn't make it any less true. And these are, these are small examples, but, but allow me to illustrate it this way. So over the last, what I think I'm in week 14, 15, of being uh, an eighth grade Bible teacher at Northwest Christian School, and it's been an amazing adventure, and I've learned a lot from my students. And, uh, and, and here's, here's something I've learned is that as, as, I, as I hear them talk about God, as I hear many of them talk about the Bible, I hear a lot of influence about that that's not in the Bible. This is a small but fun example. So we were talking about, uh, we're talking about the Christmas story, and we've got our, our Bibles open to Luke chapters 1 and 2, and, and, and we're talking about the story and who's in it and who's not and what does this look like. And then I asked the big question, okay, so how did Mary get 
to Bethlehem. Pregnant Mary on her way to give birth to Jesus. How did she get there? And of course, um, in, in almost unison, you know, most of, my, most of the students, they say, well, duh, she rode on a donkey. And I said, okay. And I, and I had the verses up on the screen. I said, find me the donkey. And they're looking and they're looking and, and then someone raised their hand. Well, I think it's in Matthew. And I thought, okay, let's, let's go to Matthew. Nope, no donkey. Oh, it might be in John. John, let's go to John. No, Matthew. It might be in Mark. I'm like, well, the Christmas story isn't really in Mark or John. So no, no donkey there. And, and many of them, their eyes got so wide, some of them raised their hands and said, Mr. Rise, we, we've been lied to. <laughs> and I said, yes, you have. Now, uh, now, I said, keep in mind, could she have ridden a donkey? Absolutely. Is it out of reason for her to ride a donkey? No. Um, does it, is, it, is this a matter of salvation um, or, or utter despair and frustration? Absolutely not. But I said, here's, here's what's dangerous, is that when we start adding things, putting things in the Bible that aren't there, where does that end? When we start taking things out that are in the Bible, where does that end? And it becomes, uh, it, it becomes so easy, you know, and kind of like the, the meology and the emotionalism, you know, if, 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 if the worship night didn't make me feel a certain way, it was no good. If church service didn't make me feel a certain way, it was no good. It becomes all about me. And all of a sudden, we're, we're at Chipotle ordering our Christian life, ordering our church experience, ordering our worship night as, yeah, a little bit of that. No, no, none of that. Yeah, I'll take a, can I get extra of that? Does that cost more? Okay, and then and we come out with our our bowl or taco or burrito that's been custom made according to what we want, but it's all about me instead of being all about the truth and about God. And Here's the, here's the two extremes. You know, one extreme is, is we can get on social media as we can be so good at, and we can become anti-everything. Well, I don't listen to that worship. I don't, I don't mention that church. Well, I never listen to that pastor. Well, that guy's false teaching. That, and where everything is false. Well, all of our worship and all of our teaching is, is going to be by sinful people. So it's never going to be perfect. And if everything is false, then we become anti-everything, and I don't, I don't believe that's what God has for us. Or the other extreme is everything's fine. You know, if it, if, if it, ha- it has a little Christian sticker on it, or if the person's wearing a, a, a cross around their neck, then everything they say is great. And Well, if it's a church, it must be true, and, and nothing is false. I believe those are the two extremes we have to avoid. And every time we read a book, we listen to a podcast, we go to church, we should act as if we're eating some delectable Wild-caught, wild-caught Alaskan salmon. And in that delectable, wild-caught salmon, as good as it is, it's got a row of bones that you have to pick out. And as you eat, you're like, oh, there's a bone. That's not true. And you're eating, you're enjoying it. Oh, there's a bone. That's not true. That's not in the Bible. I'll just leave that. And is it going to ruin my dinner? No. This is an amazing dinner. Is it, is it going to dominate the conversation over dinner all about the bones? No, we're going to talk about the fish. We're going to, be, we're going to stay positive. We're going to be known for what we're for, not known for what we're against. But eat, consume Christian content, whether it's, like I said, books or podcasts or something. Eat it, consume it as if, as if you're eating fish, and I, and I believe that will help us. I, I, it, I don't want to go over this because it's going to take too much time, but I have this list of 
Test of false teaching. If you want to take a picture of it, I, I find it helpful. Test of false teaching, where it's got a test of origin. Where is it from? A test of authority. What's the authority behind it? Test of consistency. How, how, what does that look like consistently through the Bible? Or was it one random verse taken out of context? Test of spiritual growth. Does that teaching or that truth produce spiritual growth? Test of godly living. Does it produce godly living? If it passes these tests, chances are it is something that is true that you want to listen to and that you want to follow and it is biblical. Um, If it fails any of those, it's a yellow flag and you should check it out. There's no donkey. Test of origin, authority. The donkey does not produce spiritual growth anyway, so it doesn't matter. But But there are some things that can sound good, but a great thing to ask is, so where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? And all the followers and all the noise and all the volume, where's the fruit at? Oh, well, there's, yeah, there's no fruit. Well, then that doesn't make sense because if it's truth and it's rooted in God's word, there's going to be fruit. And it's not, it's not anything we produce. It's fruit that God produces. These are all just dead ends. People hold the mic, but only God holds the truth. Noise? will just lead you to dead ends, but truth will set you free. Now I just want to read through this, this section 7 to 12, and we'll get, get to our next point. Paul continues, verse 7. Look at the obvious facts. Those who say they belong to Christ must recognize that we belong to Christ as much as they do. Here's his, this, is, this is Paul. He's getting his gloves on. He's in defense mode. He's, he's validating himself and his, and his ministry. Verse 8. I may seem to be boasting too much about the authority given to us by the Lord, But our authority builds you up. It doesn't tear you down. So I will not be ashamed of using my authority. I'm not trying to frighten you by my letters. For some say, Paul's letters are demanding and forceful, but in person he's weak and his speeches are worthless. Those people should realize that our actions when we arrive in person will be as forceful as what we say in our letters from far away. Oh, oh, don't worry. We wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men who are tell you how important they are. But they're only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as the standard of measurement. How ignorant. See, Paul here is, in essence, he's competing for authority. He's competing for a job. He's competing for a voice. He's, he's competing to have the attention with authority and with the truth. And, and he's forced to mention and call out some of these false teachers. And, and, and And with these teachers, there's an issue of comparison. Comparison is such a poison. I don't know why we spend so much time comparing ourselves. I don't know why I've spent so much of my life comparing because it leads nowhere. It is a poison. We have two comparisons that happen, and both are poisonous. Number one, making yourself the measure of others. Making yourself the measure of others. Guess what happens there? People can never measure up with you. Pride. There's your fruit, eat it. It's nasty, it's rotten, and it's gross, and it makes you throw up every time, but then you go at it again because it looks so good on the outside. Pride, when you make yourself the the measure of others, that's all you end up with. The second one, making others the measure of yourself, well, you can never measure up to those others. So you've got, you've got pride that's like, yeah, measure up to me, measure up, oh, you never measure up. And then others, you never measure up to them. Depending on who you 
Compare yourself. So here you've got pride, and here you've got guilt. I'm never good enough. I, I, I didn't do that thing. I didn't accomplish what you accomplished. I'm not quite there yet. I'm guilty. I'm prideful. I'm guilty. I'm prideful. I'm guilty, and, and I'm prideful. And so many Christians are stuck. In, in, you know, it's Indiana Jones, and, and, the, and the, the floor's coming up, and the ceiling's coming down, and the spikes are coming through, and there's scorpions everywhere, and there's that skull right there. It's like, ah! Guilt and pride, guilt and pride, guilt and pride, guilt and pride, guilt and pride. And we wonder why so many Christians are living outside of victory, living outside of fruit. There's no fruit in pride and guilt. You just get squished and you, 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 don't, you don't make an impact. You don't lead other people to Jesus when you're full of pride. You don't lead people to Jesus when you're full of guilt. So Paul's calling that out. Stop the comparisons. Verse 13, 14, he says, we will not boast about things done outside our area of authority. We will boast only about what has happened within the boundaries of the work God has given us, which includes working with you. God, God has called each and every one of us to a, to a ministry of sort, a ministry of your family, a ministry with your kids, a ministry at your school, a, a ministry in your neighborhood, a, a ministry somewhere. And, 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 and Paul's defining these jurisdiction boundaries, if you will. We are not reaching beyond on these boundaries when we claim authority over you as if we had never visited you for we were the first to travel all the way to Corinth with the good news of Christ. He's reminding them, hey, we were the ones that got you there first. We're the ones that told you about the gospel. We were the first ones. He's claiming this authority, this spiritual authority he has over this church in Corinth. And he's passionate these people mean the world to him. He's going to prison for these churches, and then he's hearing these reports, and it just wrecks his heart. And he says this, verse 15 and 16, nor, nor do we boast and claim credit for the work someone else has done. Instead, we hope that your faith will grow so that the boundaries of our work among you will be extended. Then we'll be able to go and preach the good news in other places far beyond you where no one else is working then there will be no question of our boasting about work done in someone else's territory. I read, read this a few weeks ago again, and I'd never caught this, and I just, this was so exciting to me. It's always fun when you, you know, you're reading something for the 20th time, and then something just jumps out of you. He says, instead, we hope that your faith will grow so that the boundaries of our work among you will be extended. Then we will be able to go and preach the good news. I see this, this, this picture that, that, that Paul is painting. It's this idea that, hey, when your faith grows, we can go and reach some more people. We can go beyond the boundaries of these it's like six walls. This, we could go beyond the boundaries of these six walls. When our faith grows, we can get to business out in the community. But until then, we're hunkering down. We're dealing with false teachers. We got people who don't have fruit because they're prideful, prideful and they're guilty in their comparisons. You think it's all about being a nice person and you're too busy thinking that there's a donkey in Luke chapter 2 and there's not and we can't move 
beyond these walls. And I love that picture, Paul, because I think that is so helpful for me as an individual. I think it's helpful for us as a church. When my faith grows, I can I can get to the work that God has for me to tell others about the gospel. When our faith grows as it is, we can move beyond these walls. You see, the gospel is never meant to end up in dead ends. Here's some potential dead ends of the gospel. The country of Thailand has a whopping 1% Christian, but I'm telling you, with that 1% of people of like 75 million Thai, they are saying, we got to get to Laos because at least in Thailand we can be Christians. In Laos you get killed, you go to jail, and, and you get imprisoned for being a Christian. So Thailand is a hub for Allow pastors to come and get trained and get sent back. You see, the gospel is never meant to be a dead end. God doesn't care if there's only 1% Christian in Thailand. He's called Thailand to be a part of bringing the gospel to another country of Laos. Dominican Republic, a lot of us got to go, and so many of you sent two groups of people this last summer to Dominican Republic, many of whom know the gospel. Dominican Republic is not a wealthy place. But I'll tell you about Haiti, it's the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, and they share an island. And so Dominican Republic, their calling is not to look down on the Haitians, their calling is to go to Haiti and bring the good news of the gospel, to bring freedom to people who are worshiping idols and demonic spirits in the country of Haiti, to be free from that spiritual bondage. The gospel is not meant to be to end in Dominican Republic is meant to move beyond Haiti, and Haiti won't be a dead end. Then Haiti will send missionaries out into the Caribbean and, and into Western Africa to go reach some other people for Jesus. It never stops with you. But when your faith grows, this will happen. If you're stuck in comparisons, you're just going to stay right there, and you're going to keep the gospel in your pockets where it's never meant to be, like M&Ms on a hot summer day. The gospel's never meant to end with City View. We're, we're meant to go beyond our six walls into places like Greenway High School. And, and we are called to grow our faith so that we can move beyond ourselves, so we can go and reach other people with good news, with truth that sets you free. And if you're at Greenway High School and you're, you're saying, man, I feel like I'm living in Thailand, there's like 1% of us that's Christian, God's like, that's cool, I'll take that 1% and I'll go change the world. I'll take that 1% and I'll reach the football team. I'll take that 1% and, and, and I'll reach those middle school feeder schools that are coming into you. I'll take that 1% and you, you will reach your entire class with the God. I'll take that 1%. God is looking for the 1%. People who, people who are no longer comparing, people who are fighting with spiritual weapons, people who are no longer listening to the noise. They're listening to the truth. Paul ends here, verse 17 and 18. As the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. When people commend themselves, it doesn't count for much. <laughs> Man, when people commend themselves, it doesn't account for much. Man, it, it can look good in the moment. It can sound big in the moment, the big splash, and then nothing. 
doesn't, doesn't count for much. The important thing, Paul ends here, is for the Lord to commend them. The important thing is for the Lord to commend them. I love how, I love the test of truth, because the test of truth is uh, when, when something is true 2,000 years ago and it's still true today, that's pretty true. Man, I, 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 I can't imagine these statements, these points, these truths from 2 Corinthians 10 from 2,000 years ago being more true for us today. It is so easy to, to listen to the person with the biggest microphone, to listen to the person that's making the biggest noise, to turn your life in the direction of the noise, but it just leads to a dead end. So what do we do? I just challenging us to listen to God and let his truth lead you to you fill in the blank. Listen to God. Uh, turn down the noise of the world. Turn down the noise of all the 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 the, the all the messages. All the stuff that, that sounds good, but then you, 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 you throw a couple, is it truth tests at it, and it, it comes up with a bunch of yellow flags. Man, just listen to God and let his truth lead you to what is God leading you to? I believe when you, when you, when you stop and listen, he'll let you know. He'll let you know the, 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 the kind of dad he's calling you to be. He'll let you know what, what kind of son he's calling you to be, what kind of student, what kind of employer, what kind of employee, what, what kind of mom, what kind of daughter, what, what kind of brother, sister. Who is he calling you to be? Imagine, imagine our life as a church when we, when we turn down the noise and, and we turn our ears to God and we listen to what he has to say. When our faith grows so much that the faith and the joy and the peace and the gospels spilling out of these walls into the community to people that need to hear, when, 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 we're, when we're not debating the, 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 the current whatever of the day, but we're, we're spreading the good news and, and instead of spreading the noise, when we're when we're focused on what God has for us to focus on, imagine, imagine how, I mean, what, we have seven weeks left of 2023, give or take, not even that. Imagine finishing this year with your ear turned to the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the wonderful Counselor, and the Prince of Peace. Whew. That'll change your life. People may hold the microphone, but only God holds the truth. What are you listening to? What has your attention? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your love and your goodness. God, I, I pray that you would have your way in our hearts right now as we turn our minds and our hearts to you.
God, help us to listen to you, not listen to the person making the most noise. Lord, in this moment, it, I, just, I just pray that there's anybody who's ready to surrender their life to you, that today would be the day of their salvation. And if that's you here today, I believe you know it because the Holy Spirit's doing what he does. He's making it known. He's saying hello. And I just encourage you to just pray this prayer after me. Lord, I need you. Lord, I want to give my life to you. I want to stop listening to the noise and I want to listen to you. surrender all that I am. Please forgive me of my shortcomings. Forgive me of my sin. Thank you for forgiving me and giving me new life. And if that's you here today, uh, with the rest of us just closing our eyes and keeping our heads bowed, I just encourage you to raise your hand, put your hand up high so that we can see you, we can we can celebrate with you, and we can resource you with, with a Bible and some next steps. Amen. God, we're just going to continue to worship you. Make your truth known in our minds and our hearts. In Jesus' name. Did you decide to follow Jesus while listening to this podcast today? We want to celebrate with you and help you with your next steps. Click the link in the podcast description to get connected with a pastor and your next step. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to click that follow button and tune in next week for another great message.